does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Stephen Holder going to join us here in a few. Again, 6 o'clock tonight. JMV is going to be out there. You will have the first of two joint practices with the Bears. And if you're looking for something to do, whether you are going to the game Saturday night with the Bears, the only home preseason game, or just looking for get downtown on a Saturday evening, uh, seven or 4 to 7, excuse me, 4 to 7 on Georgia Street. You've got the Georgia Street tailgate. Music kicks off with a live DJ at the Jack Daniels tailgate stage when gates open. Free entry. All ages are welcome. So is the Jack is... Daniels stage stage number seven? Uh, that was good. I mean, I'm strictly curious. By the way, I, I just, this just dawned on me. How long have we been doing this show, Mark? Uh, will be would have been two years in November. Okay, so so it, I just now had this epiphany. This just now dawned on me, and, and I'm I'm ready. Do both of you have like paper towels nearby because your mind's about to be blown? Um, eight thirty on a Wednesday is exactly the halfway point of our work week. Mm-hmm. We just reached the halfway point of our work. We're now it's eight thirty one. We're now on the second half of the work week here. For, for you want me to get beers out of the fridge? What do you want me to do? <laughs> Stephen Holder from ESPN.com with us here on the Payless Liquors. It, it means it means when it comes to this sort of chemistry, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Although you're going to have that obviously to continue, but we're, we're again Stephen Holder, right? ESPN.com is with us here. Stephen, I actually wanted. Wait, 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 wait! I need a minute. I need a minute. My mind is so blown. I need right. a minute. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, call me. Did you sit down on the couch? Do you have paper towels? I, I didn't follow the whole paper towels. Stephen, do, do you around there? Do you ever actually think to yourself? And I'm sure this has happened. When you're driving around around town, do you ever think to yourself, you know, every once in a while, I've got to thank myself that I have access to that sort of brain and that sort of thought process. <laughs> Do you ever think that? Well, it, it's definitely a unique opportunity. That, that is def- I am definitely fortunate, yes. Yeah. I've sat next to Stephen now for 13 days at Grand Park. He's never uttered that to me at all in referencing you. Some things don't even need to be uttered. They're so obvious. Stephen, appreciate, appreciate the time on this Wednesday morning. I actually wanted to begin with playing a little bit of Chris Ballard audio for you that you can react to because I feel like Ballard's tone has changed a bit in referencing Jonathan Taylor. And the first clip that we'll play is from Report Day when he was asked about Jonathan Taylor. And then the second clip is from his appearance on SiriusXM yesterday. So, Mark, if you don't mind, I'll play this for Steven. This is the first clip from Chris Ballard on Report Day in regards to Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, we're not going to get into – I mean, you know me on the contracts. We're not going to get into any what kind of contract negotiations we're getting into with any of our guys. So, we'll move forward as we – I mean, look – We've been – I mean, our history is really good. You know, but saying that, we're coming off a four-win season. We have a new coaching staff. So we'll kind of let it play out as it does um, and make those decisions when we need to make those decisions. Again, that was three weeks ago on report day, and then, Stephen, here was Ballard yesterday. Having a Jonathan Taylor in that same backfield with Anthony Richardson mm-hmm. because you know that's, that's what excites the fan base. Yeah, no, and look, look, we – 
I think the world of, of Jonathan. Um, he's been a great Colt, been a great player for the Colt. You know, unfortunately, last year he, he you know, he, he got hurt early in the season, was dinged all year, fought through it till he finally got to a point where he had to, you know, have the surgery. And now, now he's finishing his rehab process. And so hopefully, hopefully as we move forward here, we'll get him back. But we need to get him 100% healthy before we do anything. Steven, what do you make of so much more of an injury-focused response from Ballard versus the, granted it was report day, by all accounts Taylor hadn't done his physical yet, versus the four-win, we have a new offensive staff, we need to evaluate everyone sort of response a few weeks back? Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, it's hard to make heads or tails of it. I, I guess my first thought would be right now they – the injury has has been at least it appears that that has become more of an issue in this this conversation um i don't know enough of the particulars none of us do and that's part of the problem with assessing all of this and and i really feel like we can only get that from jonathan that's part of the problem here but be that as it may i don't think he's going to come out today and and tell all so we have to continue just based on what we know. So I guess what I'm saying is I think from the Colts' perspective, their thought is, okay, look, if you're not healthy, then you need to get healthy, and then we'll figure out the rest. But that's also an interesting part of this is before we do anything, well, what? They, they weren't going to do anything, I thought. you know. So what, what does that entail? Because, frankly, that suggests, and maybe I'm psychoanalyzing here, but it almost suggests that, okay, well, we have to figure something out as opposed to just conducting themselves like, hey, Jonathan Taylor's under contract. He's on the team. There's nothing to see here because that was kind of the approach before. And so when I say, look, they haven't you know, dismissed the idea of a trade, I'm telling you, I, I think it has to at least be on the table. I mean, if Jonathan Taylor doesn't want to be here, you can't figure out what to do with him then you have to at least consider it. I don't know if the offer is going to be there. All I'm saying is everything has to be on the table at this point. Steven, my thing is this, and I know that we're probably repeating, you know, an old hit here, but my assessment would be, and I want you to tell me if this is by your understanding an accurate assessment, but my assessment would be that it certainly in the beginning, and by that I mean a couple of weeks ago, Jim Mercer was very adamant that Jonathan Taylor was not a tradable piece but Chris Ballard, if you put truth serum in in him, probably is thinking to himself, it's in my best interest to possibly trade Jonathan Taylor. And ultimately, the owner is going to win that argument seven days a week. But I guess the question is, A, is that an accurate assessment? And B, do you think Jim Mercer has hedged it all? So to your first question, I think that's, I think there's some merit to the way you describe that. And and I see Jim Irsay as oftentimes, you know, more, eh, I don't know if emotional is the right word, but but maybe more emotionally driven in these situations. Chris Ballard, while he can be very emotional, you know, when and, and can get worked up and, you know, when there's these sort of situations, he also is much more pragmatic and he's going to be a guy who, you know, who thinks with his head and not his heart for the most part. So, so I think that's true. I do think that's true. I mean, he's got to find a solution ultimately. And and sometimes the solution is not what you want. And I don't know. I mean, I look at the, the Nick Martin situation in, in Dallas. I don't think they're exactly the same, but they found a they found a compromise there, you know. And did anybody feel like they 
truly got what they wanted? No, because <laughs> Nick Barton wanted a lot more money. Uh, the Cowboys were taking a stance like, buddy, you got two years left and we ain't paying you. And guess what? They did pay him something. It wasn't a ton of money, but they did give him something. And Nick Martin can now save face, and he's going to be in camp, and, and they're going to have one of the most important pieces in front of their quarterback now. I mean, that was just not that's not a negotiable thing for the Cowboys, right? Like, you're going to play without Nick Martin? Like, how? You know, so I just think that that's where I see things to some extent with the Colts. It's like, all right, you can say – you're not going to trade him. You can say we're not going to negotiate. You can say all these things, but the reality is still sitting there and, and staring you in the face. You have not dealt with this situation, and it has to be dealt with. I'm not. I'm not suggesting that that Jonathan Taylor doesn't have to 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 be reasonable here too. He does, but the this whole idea that I keep hearing, you know, Jonathan Taylor has no leverage. He's Jonathan Taylor. That is his leverage. Yeah, I, I've said this about the whole trade situation. I don't think the Colts are in a position to, you know, have some strong stance and and be like, no, there's no chance we're going to trade him. If you have come up with the idea of as the organization that you are not going to extend him, you do everything in your power to try and trade him to get some return yeah. on him. The last thing yeah. you want is for him to be a you slap the franchise tag on him and now you're paying him even more money deeper into the Anthony Richardson contract and he's upset. Or, obviously, he walks in free agency for nothing. Um, on that end, and I guess you get a compensatory pick, but that wouldn't be for a couple of years down the road. On that end, Stephen, do you make anything of the Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook signings this week in relation to Taylor? I'd probably point a little bit more to the Josh Jacobs domino because they're on yeah. a similar age scale, or I guess age frame, than Taylor. But Dalvin Cook... First off, he's got a shoulder issue, and he's still not practicing, and he's got a domestic violence thing that is yet to be cleared up. So it's yeah. not like this is some squeaky clean off-the-field thing either. Obviously, Taylor doesn't have the domestic violence thing, but he's got the injury. So either of those dominoes now impact Taylor in potential negotiations. Uh, the, the one possible impact, first of all, good point on Dalvin Cook because I think the, the issues hanging over Dalvin Cook kind of – got lost in the whole conversation of, oh, running backs aren't worth anything. Yeah, granted, he didn't get a ton of money, and, and he is a bit older than, than Jonathan Taylor. which yeah, four is four years older. Yeah, I mean, that's more than a bit older. That, that's actually a lot older. So so I think, yeah, they're not apples to apples at all. Him and Jonathan Taylor's situations are not the same other than the injury being uh, a, a, a common characteristic there. But the one – the one place where maybe the John, or excuse me, the, the Dalvin Cook situation has a little impact is because if you were interested in Dalvin Cook, a, a team out there that perhaps was interested in Dalvin Cook, and he ends up electing to go to the Jets, do you then at least open your mind to the idea you know, of of maybe hey, well let's engage the Colts? I don't know. I look at a team like say I'm just throwing this out there, but this is a logical thought. Uh, a team like Miami, okay, you know, they will take big swings, okay? We know that. Uh, they were connected to Dalvin Cook. That was one of the other teams that was in that in that mix. Uh, you know, they're a team, you know, I could see them engaging the Colts, you know, and, and try, at least trying to find out well, what's that going to take, what's it going to cost, right? I don't know what their long-term cap situation is like and all that. You know, they wanted to re-sign a Jonathan Taylor after trading for him, and we're probably getting – way too far ahead of ourselves anyway but 
but I'm just trying to kind of give a sense of, of how it may clear the deck a little bit that Dalvin Cook, that Domino has fallen. So that's where I think it, it might make a difference is an impossible trade situation. Uh, it doesn't, I think, necessarily help or hurt too much in terms of, of, of a contract for, for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but, but I think in the trade realm, it might make a difference. Steven, let's say for the sake of argument, and I'll, I, I don't think this is going to happen, but okay, but we're going to speak in hypotheticals here. When Andrew Luck first came into the NFL, that first year, literally every ball bounced the Colts' way. He was a great player. I'm not saying that. Reggie Wayne had a phenomenal season. And on the field, I should say, things just kind of fell the Colts' way, and they had this surprisingly, you know, really good year. If that's the case with Anthony Richardson this year, if this guy is able to come out, he's a unicorn, defenses don't know what to think of him, they haven't seen him on tape, and he makes the right decisions, and he has this great year, what is the area of the Colts that would hold them back because we have so hyper-focused on quarterback, we haven't been talking about the fact that blank is still a deficiency for them that could hurt them if everything else came together? That area is what? Mm. So I'll pick two. I think the secondary concerns me, really the cornerbacks. I mean, look, they were already thin when this Isaiah Rogers business happened, and, and they're thinner now. So, I mean, they, they can like the, the potential of the guys that they have, and, and they do like the potential, and, and that's great. But it's, a, it's still just potential. Okay, they're very, very, very young. I mean, th- this, this whole league – is is now it's become really a, a a situation where who can make big plays and who can stop big plays. That's the NFL. That's a big percentage of wins and losses in the NFL today. And your corners are going to be at at the, the tip of the spear when it comes to that, right? So if you're out there giving up a bunch of big plays, then how much harder are you making it for Anthony Richardson, even if he is playing – in a, a best case scenario where he, he really has a fast start, you know? So I think that's a, that's a big problem for them or a potential problem, put it that way. The other thing I would say is just, and this is something we have kind of talked about is the, the offensive line depth. I still just don't feel good about it. I, I would not be sleeping well at night. Now I think the offensive line to their credit, and I don't know how much, you know, you want to put how much stock you want to put in this, but I think it matters a little. I, I thought they were really physical, on Saturday, and that I'm talking about the starting offensive line. I thought it was pretty physical, and I thought there were some good running lanes, even though the Colts didn't run for that much, which is, you know, takes us back to the Jonathan Taylor story. But anyway, I thought the offensive line looked active and powerful, and I thought there were a lot of good things to take away from that. So maybe they're onto something. Maybe they're right when they say they think this group can pull it together and, and get back to where they used to be. We'll see. But that has nothing to do with whether they stay healthy. And if they don't, then I think you're back to a situation where, you know, like last year um, or really the last couple of years, they've had some, some key injuries on that line. Uh, two years ago, they had the depth and they were able to withstand that. Now I don't know if they do. Yeah, again, last year it was actually – the line was so bad, yet the big three stayed healthy. When you look at – they played through stuff, but Ron <laughs> Kelly – Quentin Nelson and and Braden Smith. I'd throw edge group into that, Stephen. I think pass rushing wise, yeah, you know, with your corners so inexperienced, 
you got to get something out of the Quiddy Pay Samson Ebucom combination um, this season. Uh, okay, moving on. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, with us here. Let's go back to the news item of the day yesterday, and that is obviously Anthony Richardson being named the starter. I was talking with Jake in our opening hour. Steven, I thought, you know, this is the time to kind of commit to him with these big evaluation days coming up. And, and I guess evaluation, maybe throw that out the window, but just big developmental days, seeing the Bears twice, another preseason game, seeing the Eagles next week in a joint practice, then another preseason game. What? Why do you think Shane Sykin did that or announced that yesterday when, if he wanted to, Gardner Minshew was just 6-for-6 six six and let a touchdown drive in the preseason? Like, he could have kept it you know, back and forth for, for another week. So why do you think the timing was August 16th or August 15th? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the timing is very interesting. And I actually like it. And, and here's why I think, this is what I think his, his thinking was. You know, they have, they're at a point now where it, it's really in your best interest to really commit and to really get him prepared. Now, if this were, two veteran quarterbacks who are battling, I think it would be different. And maybe you let the thing, you know, sort of linger a little longer and make sure that you, you know, for certain, but in this situation, two things, number one, you know, the long-term implications here matter. And the long-term, the the long-term vision is that Anthony Richardson is going to be your guy. Anyway, The, the only question now is can he handle the ups and downs of the position right now? I don't think there's any question about that. Like his makeup, is one of the best things about him. I have no idea how he's going to play. We cannot tell you that. But I can tell you he's going to be fine when it comes to, to handling the, the ups and downs that are inevitable at that position. I have no concerns about that part when it comes to Anthony Richardson. He is mature way beyond his years. Uh, he is going to be fine, and he has, he has the respect of that team already at 21 years old. I mean, I think we all can see that. So that is not going to be an issue. So there's no real impediment there if you're Shane Steichen in in that respect. The other thing is, as I kind of alluded to, look, I mean, he needs all the preparation he can get. And so you can't waste these opportunities. You just call them developmental opportunities. That's that's what they are. I don't think you can afford to waste them. And so every rep that Gardner Minshew gets is is one less rep with the first team that that Anthony Richardson won't get. And so those – those are just too important. You know, we've seen, you saw those, these opportunities that he's, he's tried to connect with Alec Pierce, for example. And, you know, they had a, a play yesterday. You saw the touchdown perhaps on social media. They had a, a touchdown in the red zone, uh, Anthony Richardson to Alec Pierce. Now a couple plays before that, they totally had a disconnect on a, a corner route that just was kind of a mess. Right. And so those are the things that you've got to work out. And that's why he's got to be in there, and he, you've got to keep working. And I think this is where Shane Steichen's head is. And coming up tonight, 6 o'clock, it will be the first joint practice with the Chicago Bears. Again, Stephen Holder, ESPN.com. I encourage people to check out one of Stephen's latest pieces. It's kind of just a little bit of inside the uh, the background on Anthony Richardson, Stephen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's – you know, somebody in the Colts organization brought this to my attention recently, and it made me think. And what I was told is like, you know, this guy didn't grow up on the quarterback circuit. And and if you don't know what I mean by that, you know, this you see these, you know, these these young quarterbacks today. They're at all these camps, and they're they're going to they've got these private quarterback coaches at like 15 years old. I mean, it's like when did if this not happen? earlier? I don't know. Yeah, 
exactly. So anyway, Anthony Richardson had none of that. He, he said, you know, he, I didn't even know about these camps. I didn't have any private coaching. I didn't do any of that. He, he also didn't play in sort of a, a sophisticated offense in high school. So really, he's got 13 starts. Well, 14 now, I guess, if you count the preseason game. After high school, he's got 14 total starts. And he just needs to see more stuff and play and ha- experience more situations. And, and so because he really hasn't had all that previous development, perhaps, the, the Colts feel like he's going to be he's going to be so immersed in the development now that maybe, you know, the growth can come pretty quickly. So he's he's gotten here without the benefit of all of that is what I'm saying. And I, and I make the contrast to, for example, Bryce Young. And this is not a knock on Bryce Young. This is actually to his credit. Bryce Young was was the opposite. He was at all these camps. He was all over the place, had private coaching, all of that, and and got, I think, his first offer when he was like in eighth grade or going into ninth grade at Texas Tech from Cliff Kingsbury. So (laughs) no one knew who Anthony Richardson was when he was that age. No, not at all. Not at all. It's a far, far different background. This was a perfect way to start the second half of our work week, right? Steven, thank you for the time. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll see you tonight at Grand Park. All right, mine's still blown. Uh, I guess. <laughs> yeah. See. Certainly.